0: Good morning, everyone. I hope that we're all feeling good today and ready to study the word. We are gonna be continuing with our discipleship series and the exploration of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This has been, and I believe will continue to be, a really great resource for showing what a disciple of Jesus is and revealing our responsibilities and the intimate aspects of the relationship that we have with God. The word responsibility might immediately give people a kind of workplace outlook, which we don't usually have an especially positive view of. This is not the kind of feeling I want to give today. Rather, I would ask you view this word in the context of relationship. We all know that relationships involve certain elements of responsibility and accountability. Sometimes we may not feel like doing certain things or making certain efforts, but in reality, they are necessary to maintain the very fabric of that connection. This is the same for our relationship with Jesus. We can't allow our feelings to dictate how we live our lives because they're a poor indicator on the actual state of our being. Today, we're gonna look at another important aspect of discipleship, devotion to prayer. Our first two parts of this series have touched on the bedrock of discipleship, a devotion to Jesus because of the significance he holds in our lives and the lives of every person on this planet, a devotion to the word of God, which we know and believe to be living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, which is from Hebrews 4 verse 12. Our goal for this series is to help every individual believer grow into a greater maturity in their relationship with Jesus. We wanna be a church family who is deeply rooted and standing firm in the goodness of God, so that when the storms of life come, we will not be swayed to the left or to the right, nor uprooted, because we're a church family that is firmly secure in Jesus. What I'd like to do today is look at what prayer is and the different facets that it has. Ultimately, this is our communication with the Lord, and through it, we have fellowship with God and can make our needs and desires known to Him. It's talking to our Heavenly Father and Him answering and speaking to us. Prayer looks different to everyone. There are aspects of it that are common to us all, and these are the areas which I'll eventually break down in more depth. We need to start off by exploring what scripture tells us about prayer so that we have a credible point of reference. Turn with me if you would to Ephesians 6:18. Here Paul tells us, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. Similarly, in 1 Thessalonians 5:17 he says, pray without ceasing. Concise and clear-cut. There are a host of scriptures that talk about our need to be in continual prayer. This would seem unrealistic at first glance because you might wonder, how can I pray at all times? Paul is very often the person encouraging this. And if his life is any kind of example, we know that he was a prayer warrior who was in constant communion with God. I often think of King David when I consider biblical figures who are constant in their prayer life, particularly in his earlier years. He sought to make the most righteous choice with almost every decision that he made, which is why Samuel called him a man after God's own heart. He knew he had the greatest direction when he spoke to the Lord. Not only did he seek God for guidance and help in the situations that he faced, but he also spoke to the Lord in a loving and praising way, crying out in anguish when he needed help or was asking for forgiveness. David loved God deeply. And despite the many mistakes he made in his life, this is one characteristic that he will always be known for. And many of the Psalms are a testament to this. There's another particular person who had a pr- an avid prayer life in the Old Testament. This was Daniel. He's another example of a man who sought God in almost every situation in his life. Daniel was a servant to some of the kings of Babylon, men who were often extremely proud and powerful, the types given to acting on impulse and making rash decisions. Such an environment was not peaceful or safe. Because on a particular day when the king had a whimsical moment of anger, their lives were in danger, just like that. Daniel really is a wonderful example of a godly and righteous man, because he was only ever focused on God. When Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, which we know that Daniel would eventually interpret the first of the wise men and magicians that acted as advisors to the king, could not tell him what the dream meant, let alone what the dream was that he had seen. In a rage, Nebuchadnezzar wanted all the wise men in Babylon to be destroyed. Daniel only found this situation out when the king's guard came to capture and kill them. With a step of faith, Daniel requested to approach the king and asked him to appoint a time where he could then interpret this dream. Daniel gathered together his companions, who were also godly men, and they sought God in prayer, earnestly asking for an answer to the mystery. Their prayer was answered, and the first thing that Daniel did was to praise and bless God, as the scriptures say. Daniel famously told the king his dream and then interpreted it and found that he gained great favor with the king. Many years later, during the reign of another king, we see Daniel's devotion to prayer at work again. Now in a position of great responsibility and power, Daniel is surrounded by people who have likely become jealous of his position, possibly because he was a Jew, And they want to find fault with him. The only way that they could do this was through deception and trickery. And so they get the king to sign a document that decrees anyone who petitions to a god or man other than him will be thrown into a den of lions. As we read, it's clear that Daniel was a godly man. And prayer was one of the many things he did faithfully. Chapter 6, verse 10 of Daniel says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house. We had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. We know from this that Daniel made a habit out of committing to prayer. It was a lifestyle for him and would prove to be the very saving grace that he needed in a time of trial. The king cannot go back on his word. And so Daniel is thrown into the den. Scriptures even say that the king was sick with worry because he liked Daniel. He couldn't sleep and spent the night fasting. Then at break of day, Live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. The book of Daniel shows us a man who devoted himself to prayer and relationship with God, and as a result saw many great things happen in his life. He carried responsibility and was favored by both God and people. When I read passages like this one, I often imagine what it would be like to see such incredibly miraculous things occur and how it would be a testimony to people around me. The truth is that while in Old Testament times there were a select few who experienced the Holy Spirit descending upon them, The Bible tells us that we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. First Corinthians 6, 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Seeing the kinds of incredible things that we read about in scripture is not just relegated to that time we are also able to experience this in that when we pray and align ourselves with the will of God, which we do through familiarizing ourselves with his word, God's Holy Spirit who dwells within us can freely move in power and authority such that we experience miraculous answer to prayer. Since the focus of the series is on being disciples to Jesus, I'd be missing the point if I didn't take some time to look at what he said about prayer. There is so much content that Jesus spoke about on prayer. I honestly couldn't even cover a small section of it in the time we have. Instead, we're gonna put a focus on some of the key points that will help us grow and become more devoted to prayer. And then, God willing, It'll be a tool which we can use to become more mature in it. Originally, I would planned to do the four Ps of prayer, but for the sake of keeping it as simple and memorable as possible and not confusing everyone with synonyms for words that had to start with P and vaguely meant what I was trying to get at, (laughs) we'll spend some time exploring these aspects, namely praise, petition, repentance, and conversation. That's praise, petition, repentance, and conversation. Let's look at Matthew chapter six, verses five to 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners where they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. There's definitely something to be said about your attitude when you pray. Jesus is teaching the disciples that it's hypocritical to stand in a public space in order to be seen by people and portray yourself as holy. In a modern world outside of the church, I don't think this is quite as prevalent because people would probably just think that you're a bit crazy. Whereas in that setting, the people around would likely have begun to think that anyone who did that was an ultra spiritual and holy person, which was a status boost. In the same way, we need to be cautious that when we're in a church environment, We aren't trying to make ourselves look more holy by what we say or how we say it. There's no value in praying so that we gain glory from men instead of experiencing a heartfelt uh, prayer with God. So it's about your heart attitude when you pray. Matthew six verse one succinctly says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus shows that prayer is meant to be a personal time of communion with God. Which is why he says it is far greater to do it in secret. The reward that we gain from an answered prayer is going to be far more precious than any praise that men can give us. Or any temporary boost in our status. This is certainly not to say that there isn't any space or place for public prayer because when it is done in such a way that we build each other up and glorify God, we can stir our hearts towards him and it can only be of value. Jesus is not discrediting or prohibiting this but rather teaching us about how we pray and the motive behind it. Jesus said in Mark seven, verses six and seven, and he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Let's not allow ourselves to be caught out by a wrong heart attitude when we pray to our Heavenly Father. He's worthy of only our best. I can just picture Jesus preparing his disciples for the times when they would need to be fully reliant on prayer as their means of communication with him and telling them how he would like them to speak with him. Like, guys, let's keep this personal and praiseworthy so that we can share a moment of oneness and relationship together. As many of you will already be aware of, Jesus used the Lord's Prayer, as we know it, to portray a type of model for prayer structure. Generally speaking, this is not actually a prayer that we should repeat word for word. Rather, it gives us the detail of how to form our prayers, covering some very important areas which we're about to break down. This is where the first of our prayer points comes in, beginning, not by chance, with praise. Ladies and gentlemen, We serve a mighty and merciful God. Praising Him is always top of that list. Hallowed means greatly revered and honored, and this is the way we should enter prayer. When we elevate God and put Him in the right place in our hearts and minds, it's not that He becomes bigger than our problem, because He's always bigger, but our perception of Him conforms to reality. And that's when we can start to see the impact. I really believe that this does two things at once. It stirs our faith and trust in the Lord. But more importantly, we come to him with an adoration, like a child to their father, which is how God wants us to be. Jesus actually taught that unless we have a childlike faith, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is not to be taken as that we should have an immature faith, but rather it is the putting aside of our will and trusting God wholeheartedly. I'm very fond of the King James Version because of how it translates the scripture. Granted, the Old English can be difficult to wade through at times, but it's punchy and complete in many of the ways it conveys passages. Most modern translations don't include the end of the Lord's Prayer, which reads like this from the King James. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. I've heard someone say that our prayers should be like a sandwich. Praise to the Lord at the beginning and the end with all the other bits in the center. I think that's quite a useful way of looking at it because it means that we're always going to be celebrating our awesome God. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. We encounter petition next. I believe all of us have needs and desires that we, have, that we want to have met, whether it be relational, financial, spiritual or physical, I'm sure that each of us here find that in one or more of these areas, we could be lacking. Perhaps this is the area of prayer that we're most used to, asking the Lord to meet a need of ours. In all truth, this should be a very small part of our prayer life which might sound contrary to what a lot of us know and believe. Just like the scripture says in Matthew eight, in verse eight of of Matthew six, God knows what we need before we can even ask him. So should we ask him? Or should we just expect him to meet our needs without question? There are two answers to that that I can give. The first is that ultimately, God can meet our needs without us having to ask him. How many things do we make bigger than they really are? And when a situation has resolved itself, we look back and think, actually, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I made that situation bigger through worrying about it than it really needed to be. I did a study on prayer a while ago, and one of the topics that stuck in my head was called the primary purpose of prayer. I'd like to read a paragraph that will serve us well today as we look at this facet. While asking and receiving is one purpose of prayer, it is not the purpose of prayer. When we seek first God's kingdom by loving, worshipping, and fellowshipping with him, we'll soon discover that we don't have as many needs and that things are supernaturally added to us. Our perspective changes when we put God first by praising him. Many of our cares cease being problems anymore. As we spend time with him, his attitude becomes our attitude and the entire way we think will change. When God is our source, we don't have to worry about fixing our own problems. The second answer to the question of whether we should ask God to meet our needs through prayer is yes, we should. Praying for the Lord to meet our needs is not wrong. Let's just get that straight. It's just not the primary purpose of prayer. Jesus taught about how we should pray and make our requests known to God. Matthew 7 verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. It goes without saying that we need to keep, we need to be praying according to the will of God. But we have his word that reveals and shows us his heart. The good news is that God has plans and desires for us that are good. Jesus is telling us that when we ask, it will be given unto us. He also says more about how we should ask in Matthew 21 verses 21 and 22. And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, But even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Faith is the topic that scares a lot of people because it requires us to believe in order to receive. God wants us to have an expectation and a readiness for us to receive answers to prayer. I think that he asks this because it comes back to that childlike belief. I'd like to paint the simple picture of a family life where the parents adore their child and the child is able to have a tender familiarity with their father. When that young person has a need or perhaps even a desire, they're not going to approach their father with eyes down, hands clasped together, feet shuffling nervously forward and say, oh, Father, I am so very hungry, could you spare me some food, even just the smallest morsel? No, they will approach with a confidence and ask the question for the sake of asking the question, knowing that really, they're gonna be given what they're asking for. They will have that expectancy, like, Dad, I'm hungry, what do we have in the fridge? Turn with me, if you could, to Luke 11, verses 11 to 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hopefully this helps to show what it should be like when we're praying and asking God to meet a need or a desire of ours. He loves to answer prayer. But more than anything, God is pleased by the faith of his children. Let's take a look at the next topic. Repentance. This is an area of well-trodden ground in regard to prayer. And I'd like to cover a few angles without going into massive depth. Because I think we more or less know what it's all about. Firstly, as we look at the model Jesus gave us through the Lord's Prayer, we will notice that repentance very often needs to be done in conjunction with forgiveness. Jesus taught that if we forgive people their wrongs against us, God will forgive our wrongs against him. The reality is that we are now covered by the forgiveness that Jesus has already purchased with his blood. This doesn't give us free reign to hold unforgiveness against other people or make a note of every wrong that they've done against us. Rather, we must now forgive as we have already been forgiven. Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The stark truth of the matter is that as fallible human beings that we are, we need to continually be resetting our focus upon the Lord, which is how we can use repentance through prayer. Romans 12 verses one and two says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As such, repentance will be a common part of our walk with God until that day where we join him in eternity. Last week, we learnt about devotion to the Word of God, and this scripture points to that. We renew our minds according to the Word that God gave us and are transformed as a result. Repentance is that state of approaching God with a sincerity of regret or remorse for wrong actions and determining not just to leave it at that, but to make a change. Again, it's a heart attitude. We can't fool God by acting like we're torn apart by something we've done wrong when we aren't. Prayer is the place we can open our hearts and fall onto the mercies of the Lord and commit to making the changes where we need to through the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's something that we should harp on or spend hours in mourning and misery. Jesus made a perfect atonement for the sins that we all have and will commit. It's a done deal. And we can use this time to set our hearts back in the right place with Jesus. The final part I want us to look at today is conversation. I recently did a study on prayer with a great group of people. And part of the topic was conversation with the Lord. There was a lot there about having a freedom to be yourself and talk with God like you would a father. I know for some people that might not be something that you can relate to, maybe not having had a dad in your own life, but it looks something like a conversation with someone you love deeply and respect greatly, knowing that they also cherish you and are able to share your heart and they can share theirs. It's a two-way street. If we consider what Jesus said about vain repetitions, we know that we're gonna lose that element of conversation by being caught up in repeating things that sound good and holy, but in reality, they don't carry any weight in a spiritual sense. This also encompasses the important aspect of listening. God wants to speak to each and every one of us. In fact, it'd be far better if what we were doing is placing a higher value on listening rather than speaking. In most cases, I think that the predominant view of prayer is that you make your requests known to God and he fulfills them in a silent but visible way. This is traditionally considered an answer. I know that for some of the more mature and seasoned believers among us, they can attest to the fact that when you set yourself to listen to to the voice of God by separating from the distractions that we all have around us, even for a couple of minutes, you will find that he speaks to you in a way you can understand. I remember hearing someone once talking about the times when television and phones and similar distractions weren't a big part of people's lives. They would sit somewhere, like on the porch, and have silence, and just enjoy the act of being. There is incredible value in that, because our relationship with God is also reliant on communication, much like any physical one that we have with family or friends or even romantic interests. So to sum up, let's allow more time when we pray, not just to speak, but also very importantly to listen. The Lord delights in giving us direction when we turn to him for his wisdom. As a loving father, he takes joy in affirming us and building us up. Some of us may even experience God giving us a prophecy or a word of wisdom so that we can sow that into another person's life. His desire is to fill our cup to overflowing so that it is not only a blessing to us, but also to our brothers and sisters in Christ and people outside of the church. This might mean a few minutes of just being silent. All things take practice and so don't expect to see an instant result, but rather let's keep at it and we'll see ourselves growing and maturing in this area. As a church body, we know that prayer is a potent tool in our walk with Jesus and also our fight against Satan. Ladies and gentlemen, we must remember that we have an enemy who is contending for our souls. The Bible says that the wicked one goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Just like any military force in the world, our communication must be effective and one that promotes victory. Think of an army, a navy, or an air force that didn't have a fully functional communication system. You only need to watch some of the true accounts of tragedies that have happened as a result to see that this kind of failure is catastrophic. The same applies to us. We are not only sons and daughters of the Lord, but also As Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter, we are likened to soldiers for God. Ephesians six describes our armor and weapons for warfare. And as Paul said in verse 18 of that chapter, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So since we're exploring what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, how we grow in the various areas that he encourages us to be more like him in, how do we develop a stronger devotion to prayer? First of all, I believe that a great place to start will be to set aside time where we do our devotionals and have those moments with the Lord and spend the beginning part, maybe two minutes, practicing some of the keys of prayer that we have learned about this morning they will bolster our prayer lives and plant the seed for maturity. Our God is holy, mighty, merciful, and loving. And so as we enter prayer with him, it is only right that we do so with thanks, with praises aimed at him. We can and do bless God through this. Once our perspective is right, and we have elevated God so that our vision of him conforms to reality. We can bring before him our petitions and requests. The ones that haven't been totally flooded and destroyed by the fact that we've just told them how great our God is. If there are areas that the Holy Spirit has pointed out to us. Things that we've been caught lacking in. Let's bring them before the Lord. Full in the knowledge that they have already been dealt with by his son Jesus. As soon as we shed light on those areas of darkness, the critters can't hide anymore. Sometimes this might look like sharing it with someone in church. Granted, that should ideally be an elder or a person with some God-given authority in your life, but this can also be an effective tool into mobilizing another person to pray into your situation. Finally, conversation. our time spent chat chatting with our Heavenly Father, who the Scriptures say is our mentor, father, friend, and counselor, sharing our day with him, the highs and the lows, and nourishing that relationship which is what each of us was created for. Exodus 33 verse 11 gives us a glimpse of the type of closeness that we can experience with God when we give him our devotion. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Moses was a great man, but human, just like the rest of us here. Isn't that amazing? It's something that we can each aspire to, attaining that level of intimacy with the Lord. Please may I invite the band up. Do any of us have a vibrant prayer life? I commend the people who do commit themselves to continual prayer. But I know for a fact that this is an area which I could do is seeing a lot more improvement in. Maybe there's some other people here today who also know that their life, their prayer life is not where it needs to be. We have an opportunity to gather together and hold each other accountable. If this is something you think you could benefit from by coming forward and just chatting with a person you trust and saying, I wanna commit to spending some more time communicating with God, then please come and find someone as we enter a time of worship and get them to agree with you on this matter. Let's pray. Father God, as is only right, we honor your name today. I know that each one of us here could testify to the fact that you are faithful to hear our prayers and answer them. Lord, as a church body, we have seen how you have been shaping and molding us and preparing us for our calling as sons and daughters. As ever, we continually give thanks for the access that Jesus brought us with his blood. We wanna become bolder in our approach to you and truly walk in the freedom and relationship that you have called us to. Father, for those of us here who have not been devoted to our communication with you, we repent of that today and commit to taking the steps that we need to in order to see a positive change. As we enter a time of worship, our eyes are set on you and how wonderful you are to each one of us, amen.